Well, tonight, as we get into the word, um, I am going to be talking to you about talents. Can you guys say talents? Talents. Can you spell? No, I'm not going to make you spell it. Okay, I thought about it for a second, and then I thought that could go really bad. Because um, I just imagine everyone would just try to be mean to me and spell all kinds of other things. So tonight I want to talk to you about talents, okay? And I want to start uh, by warning you that the message that I believe God wants to share with us tonight will actually require you to do something. <laughs> so you know how like sometimes you're like, I just want, I just want to go and feel better about my situation um, and feel better about my life and feel better about whatever the story is, right? Um, but we are actually in this situation where this is going to be something that God is going to stretch you to actually do something. I see Chris is looking outside. It looks like something's wrong outside. Am I frozen? Am I frozen? That mean, would mean that I'm frozen here, maybe. That's working. So why don't you unplug the HDMI and plug it back in, see if that does any weird magic. So listen, last week we didn't have a single technical glitch, which doesn't make any sense at all. Like we shouldn't, we, something should have went wrong last week because we really didn't test this long term. Um, and so we'll see if that fixes it so that they can see us maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe a thumbs up. Hey, we're back again. Hey, hopefully whatever I froze like, please tell me it was a beautiful face because like I can already feel like Facebook is blown up with me making some weird face and it's not going to end. So, Chris, thank you so much for fixing all of our problems in life. Chris fixes all of my problems. Um, but tonight, what we're going to get into is we're going to get into a word that is going to encourage you to actually do what you're supposed to. Now, I know some of you can't see this outside, uh, but I have a beautiful image that says talents and it has a bike on it. Now, I'm just going to be quite honest with you. I chose the bike image. Oh, wait, Chris is actually going to try. Listen, so I've already prepped um, like a little, bit of, a little bit of bike. It looks a little weird on here. It looks like, well, I guess it looks cool. It's a cool bike. Um, so you can see my bike there. That's not actually my bike. Um, I'm not that cool. But um, I, I took that image because I felt like I might have a really cool story about talents in bikes if I thought about it, um, and I actually don't, uh, so it's just a picture of a bike. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of was like, I th something will come together. Now, I'm just going to warn you, if this whole sermon becomes bike-themed, I didn't plan that. I, all I planned was the bike picture, and if it all comes together great, and you guys are like, man, that was the best sermon about bikes I've ever heard, then that's all God, because I, I don't really have that worked out. So I'm, I'm going to see if there's a way to work bikes, and I literally have nothing about bikes in any of my notes, okay? So I'm just telling you, if bikes come up, it's the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, so we've spent the last few weeks talking about our mission to reach the lost, right? How we are, we are literally as a church, we are transforming in such a way to become incredibly mobile in reaching people for Jesus, which seems like this novel, crazy, obscure thing to do, but it's literally what the church was supposed to do from the beginning. So it, it's funny. We're, we're like, we're, we're kind of imploding, I guess you could say. Um, 
But one of the things that God has made clear to me, like literally, you guys have heard me say this, this statement, this phrase a lot, because it's just something that I feel like God has always really poured into me is the thought of expanding the kingdom of heaven right? That like I visually, like I visually see borders being pushed out in heaven to fit all of the people that are going to come to know Christ. Not, not, listen, I can tell you this as a church, Bethany and I have no plans at this point. Okay. There's my clause queen. I'm I'm sorry to say no, at this point, um, no plans to grow beyond this building in Goshen. Okay. Let me explain that to you. Um, we want to expand the kingdom more than we want to expand the building. Okay. That's important because that is the mission of who we are, right? That is the mission of who we are. And so God has made it clear to me, okay, uh, this week as I've been thinking and I've been praying about all these ideas and all these things that are stirring up. And it's funny because different people have started reaching out to us, asking us certain things about how they can plug in, asking us certain things about this, that, and the other. And really, I felt like God was trying to explain to me that, Tom, your your can-do attitude is not going to do what I'm really planning for you guys. And that if this is going to happen, it's going to take all of our giftings, amen, all of our talents, all of our capabilities to come together as a body to completely disrupt church as we know it. What? (laughs) Because here's the thing. We have for too long herded sheep into a building and then went to KFC or Cracker Barrel or whatever it was, you know? I mean, we haven't done either of those two, to be quite honest. We haven't, have we? Chipotle, yes, we have. Now, that is still of God, okay? Let me just, I don't want anyone thinking that that has changed. It is holy by the Lord. Um, but we believe that to do this, we have to, we have to mobilize, like, I've told you guys this vision that Bethany had, and I butcher it every time, okay? I butcher it every time, and so I'm just going to say it, and she'll correct me later so I can try to remember it, but when we were planning the church, right, she had this this dream, vision, whatever it was, that literally people were coming into the church, and people were taking their Bibles, and they were laying them up here, just laying them up here. And the, the preacher, whoever it was, correct me if I'm wrong, but was, was like grabbing each one and trying to use each one, right? Is that right? Pretty close, maybe? Oh, they were, le- yeah. So, and then when the service was over, they just walked out and all of their Bibles were left up here. And it's a very true image of what the church has looked like for a long time, right? There's a, um, now, y'all, I like some country music, okay? That's, I know Kim's like, be- I feel like laser beams are shooting into me. Um, <laughs> I know you were, um, but, but literally I, I can remember, uh, there's a song and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to mess up the line. Um, but it's talking about being in church on Sunday and then doing everything else the rest of the week. <laughs> and, and to be quite honest, it's a very true picture of the church. Like not, 
I, I'm not just talking about like a, a rando country song talking about this. I'm talking about if you think about how the church has looked, how the church has responded, how the church has lived, it has very much so been a Sunday morning experience. And if they don't get enough of an experience, if they don't get enough chills, if they don't get enough shakes, if they don't get enough excited, what they do is they look for a different experience because they're not connected to the Father. And so all of their experiences are built into these church environments. And you know who's not in church environments? People who need Jesus a lot of times. Uh, hold on, that's wrong. But, but what, what I'm saying, we all need Jesus, okay? But the people that are without, okay? A lot of times, church folk are church folk. Let's just be honest. That's what it is. And we were called early on to be a fluid church, a church that would be willing to kind of flex and move. And I, I, say, I say flex and move because guess what? Next week our service isn't going to be at 830. It's probably going to be at 8 because I see how dark it's actually getting now. So we're going to like, our service is always going to move. Now that doesn't make any sense to anyone because church planning 101 is like, you got to pick a time that people will remember and it will work for their schedules so that they'll come. And I'm like, we're going to do five this week. We're going to do 8.30. We might do five. We might do 8.30. We're going to wait and see if it rains or not. Actually, we're going to do eight now because it's getting a little darker. You know what? Next week, we're going to do 7.30 because it's getting... And you know what? We're just throwing all of it out the window, okay? But we have to become unified in the use of our talents and gifts. And there has been a misconstrued vision of what that looks like in the church for far too long, okay? So we're going to, I'm going to read for you. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 4 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 4. And I'm going to kind of break this down maybe one or two verses at a time as we dig into what is being wrote here. There are some things that literally were just leaping out of me as I read this. And I, and I hope that this will come together. I hope this will make sense. If it doesn't, um, you're just going to have to give me a, a a gimme, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing or not, but I just made it up. So 1 Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is at hand. Now, let me just stop there for a second. A lot of people feel like that right now, right? The end of all things is at, is at hand. There are a lot of things that are going on right now, and people are thinking about all of the end times and all this stuff, but since the end of all things is at hand, therefore... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now, we're going to stop there, okay? Because here's where, here's where I just like, I started losing my mind for a little bit when I was reading this passage, is these four little words that are baked within this that says, for the sake of. For the sake of, because... When I, when I really look and you really begin thinking about what is being said, it's talking about the condition of one thing and how it impacts the other. So, so follow me here. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of, I like this, I'm doing my trump, um, for the sake of your prayers, okay? So a little algebra for you, X for Y. Be self-controlled and sober-minded for Y. Your prayers, okay? You're all like, please stop with the algebra stuff. This is getting too much. So what it's telling us is that 
our ability to be self-controlled and sober-minded, and now let me just explain sober-minded. Sober-minded doesn't mean that you haven't had a drink of liquor or whatever the story is here, or Diet Coke, Bethany. Um, sober-minded, she didn't even hear that. That was the best part about it, Linda. Oh, okay. Um, sober-minded meaning to be calm and collected in your spirit. Being calm and collected in your spirit. So it's saying our ability to be self-controlled and sober-minded directly impacts the effectiveness of our prayers. So think about this. If we are to be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of our prayers, there is something deeper that is happening here because the, for the sake of, if you look in the Greek, it is actually referring to a pre-positioning, okay? It is, it is referring to a placement. And I think in life, we do a lot of pre-positioning, okay? And you may not realize that you do it. Like Judah did not pre-place those toys in the right place. That's why he just tripped over them, Okay. For those of you outside, my boy just tripped over something, okay? I don't want you guys to feel left out. Think about this. When you get into a car that you have not drove before, okay? Say you are sitting down in a car. Now, when I would travel, I used to get lots of different rental cars. That is one of the best experiences of my travel. I love to get a rental car. I just, I think it's fun. Um, we, I went to Birmingham once and uh, um, I wanted to, I, I think I specifically requested a Ford truck. Okay, I did. I did. I was going to Birmingham and I was like, I'm going to be in Birmingham. I'm going to be with my people. And so I'm driving a Ford truck. And when I got there, the guy was like, I got a Dodge. And I was like, no. The guy was like, what? I was like, no, I need a Ford truck. And he's like, I only have Dodge trucks. I was like, well, online there was a Ford truck. He's like, mm, we don't have Ford trucks. We are literally only Dodge. And I was like, that is a horrible decision by your company. And so, so he's like, we only have, we only have Dodge. I was like, Ugh. well, do you have, do you have a, a cooler car or something? And he was like pointing out some little nerdy cars. And I'm like, no, no. I was like, and then I was just fine. Like, do you have a Ford car? Like just a Ford. I'll be happy. And he was like, um, we got a green Mustang. And I was like, yeah, I'll take the green Mustang. Um, the, the green color was hideous, but it was fun to drive. Um, but when you get into a new car, what do you immediately start doing? Adjusting, right? You start adjusting the seat first, then you adjust the mirrors and then like you, you do all these things and then maybe you adjust the temperature and maybe you adjust the radio. Like you do all these different things. You get ready to set all of these settings and evaluate your position before you ever start moving the vehicle. That's what you do. Many of us are facing situations, conditions, problems, challenges that we are not familiar with. But all we're wanting to do is just plop down and be able to magically do everything perfectly. It doesn't like typically work like that, okay? It just doesn't. And I'm, I want to explain this to you because um, I, I have a great visual. I'm asking, Bethany's going to come up here now. So uh, we have, um, I have the opportunity to introduce you to our brand new camera woman um, because I need to have her move the camera for me. She's waving to the people outside. I think I felt like they cheered for you. Did you hear them cheer for you? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was like the weakest year ever. Um, but so, so Bethany's going to point it at the TV, okay? Are you going to get it at the TV? 
So look at look at this. I feel like big time pastor now. Like I have a camera woman, people. Like this is I have arrived, guys. Like this is amazing. Um, can 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 they see that? All right. Does it look like you can see it? All right. Okay. So we're gonna play this little clip because this is how I think we actually look. Trying to do these things right now. Go ahead. Let's see if it'll play. So this is this is what I think is a very real picture of how the church has looked for a very long time. We are like stuck in the same rut, in the same position, in the same placement. And you know what we keep doing? We just keep trying to go like this, right? It doesn't make sense, right? And if we recognize what the word of God is telling us here, like we, we find ourselves allowing our emotions to drive us, okay? And we are forsaking what the word of God tells us right here. We have to engage. We have to get ourselves rightly positioned with the word of God and in our minds to become effective, right? Who, like, if you think about it like this, if I ask the question, who wants to have effective prayers? Everyone's going to be like, oh, yeah, that, that would actually be pretty awesome right here, um, right? Then we have to become self-controlled and sober-minded, we have to become that type of a people because if we are not, what are we doing? We are sacrificing our prayers because we have to be self-controlled. Okay, I'm going to get to verse eight now. Verse eight, it says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. I'm going to read that again. Above all, above all. All keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sin. This passage lays out exactly why you are still holding that grudge, why you are still living with unforgiveness and why you still have bitterness for whatever that situation is. And it's simply because we do not have love. See, this becomes difficult to stomach, but th that anger, that hatred, that thing that you have against a person isn't because of anything that they've done, to be quite honest with you. It's because you've chosen not to love them earnestly. Because love, the, the scriptures tells us right there, what does love do? It covers a multitude of sins. So any, any offense that you have is not because of anything they've done. It's because of your lack of love. That hurts. <laughs> if you're me, listen, I'm listening to myself say that right now. And I'm like, that sucks. That does not feel good, Tom. Because in our lives, we have so many reasons that we justify how we feel about someone. Or how we justify why we feel about a specific situation. And we may feel even justified by the word of God because of it. But here's the deal. What the word says is that love covers a multitude of sins. So if you have an offense with anyone, you need to get recalibrated to love like Jesus loves. Right? Hello? See, how would you quantify the word multitude? <laughs> It's not, it's not like, you, you can read earlier on in, in the Gospels where Jesus says to forget, you know, how many times do we have to forget him? Well, 70 times, seven times. Like, you just, like, right? 
And so someone, someone, uh, listen, I know, I know there's people out there. It's like, okay, 70 and seven. Well, he's, <laughs> he's already at 140. So <laughs> before you know it, it's over <laughs> and I'll be free. But how do you quantify multitude? See, because love, <laughs> love has to be at the center of everything that we do. It has to propel you into what you are called to do. Because if it doesn't, let me tell you, you will be offended at every little thing. You know how, you know how many things get said about me all of the time? And Bethany, Bethany can tell you that I am someone that I'm like, yeah, it's okay. And Bethany sometimes will be like, how are you just like, I'm like, I'm good. It's cool. It's no big deal. You know, I just, I still am upset about the Dodge trucks, but other than that, I'm pretty good. You know, <laughs> as a church, as a people, shouldn't we embody this more than anyone, this type of love, this earnest love for people? I mean, we all know Jesus, right? I mean, you know, sent from heaven, died on a cross. And I don't like to say that he died on a cross. I like to say that he was murdered on a cross because that's a very much more real picture of what actually happened. You know, people die of things, but he, he didn't die of things. He was murdered on a cross. He was beaten. He was tortured. He was ridiculed. And what did he say? What did he have to say about all that? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. What? <laughs> We're upset because someone dinged our door at the, at the Thriftway. I wanted to say Thriftway because I miss Thriftway. <laughs> Land O'Goshen. Um, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And what do we do? What do we say about it when someone says something about us? When someone responds to us in a way that we don't necessarily appreciate. When someone makes us feel a certain way that we don't like, what do we say? Do we say, Father, forgive them? Because they don't know. It's nothing. Do we do that? When they hit our mailbox, as Kim would say. What do we say? <laughs> like, I mean, if you think, if you think about it, this is, why, this is why in Peter it's telling us, keep loving one another earnestly, right? Because we have to be this people. Listen, we, someone gets upset at us at something and we spew hateful things about them for days, months, for years, for decades. People will hold feuds for, there's a show called Family Feud, people. That's not what happens on that show. See, we have to get back. Listen, you cannot serve your neighbor or your spouse without a decision to love earnestly. 75% of divorces happen because of a chosen lack of commitment. That's because, and, and when I think of the word earnestly, right? <laughs> I think earnestly and commitment comes right together. 75% of marriages end because of commitment. Not, not, a, 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 not infidelity. That's not it. That's not, that's not grouped into commitment, just so you know. Let me just be clear with you on that. It's because someone decided that I'm not going to continue to love earnestly. Verse 9 says, show hospitality to one another. Hold on. Hold on. Brace yourself. Without grumbling. 
<laughs> show hospitality. Now, I just I want to think about this for a minute. What does showing hospitality look like while you're grumbling? <laughs> Here's your pie. You know, <laughs> hope you feel better. You know, what? <laughs> it doesn't feel right, right? I don't know. We have to get back to willingly and gladly serving those around us and doing it in authenticity. Listen, real church, there's a reason why we have those letters, relationships, evangelism, authenticity, and love. This is the authenticity piece. To, to show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That means when you get a phone call late at night, when you're snuggled up with Elmo about to doze off. I know y'all snuggle with Elmo. I got it. Billy's like, man, this guy's reading my mail today. <laughs> but when you're about to doze off and all of a sudden you get that text, you get that call, you get that message that your first response isn't, oh, oh. Just figure it out yourself, right? But we do that. <laughs> we do. So that, that's where I think, that's what I think he means when he's like without grumbling. Like, like literally, we have to start looking at the opportunities to show hospitality as an, an absolute joy to engage in the work of Christ. Amen. Like we have to become, we have to become people who are literally looking to engage in this. And I, and I think of this, where, where has our eagerness gone? Where has our eagerness gone? When we see someone in need, why do we decide that they're addicted to something? Why do we decide what their life story is before we ever talk to them? Why do we read their mail just like that? We have to become eager about ministering the gospel. It has to be within us. Verses 10 and 11 say this. As each has received a gift, listen here. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. Use it to serve one another. Another, as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, I'll tell you, in the church, a lot of people want to talk to you about being good stewards of your finances. Make sure you give your 10% to the church, <laughs> and then everything else is going to work out. <laughs> Amen. Pass that plate. Now, I'm not saying, listen, here, my claws queen, I can hear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't give, okay? I'm not saying that you shouldn't sow into the ministry and other ministries and all of these things, okay? But I think as the body of Christ, we have become so focused on making, getting people to a point of being good stewards of their finances that we have forsaken getting people to be good stewards of their talents and of their gifts. We've allowed, listen, we have allowed, hey, as long as they're good givers, they're good in my book, <laughs> right? I don't care if they serve it a single thing. They're paying for the electric bill, right? Verse 11, whoever speaks 
as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Here's what I'm trying to get you to tonight. Every single one of you are uniquely gifted and talented. Many of you have many talents. Many of you are phenomenal at riding a bike. See how I work the bike in? See, see, yeah, that's coming together now. Feel that? The most amazing thing that I ever did on a bike, I found a bike story in my brain. The most amazing thing that I ever did on a bike, okay, I can remember, and it, it didn't happen far from here, okay? It was on Kazadel, I think that's Kazadel Murdoch. Is that right? Okay, Kazadel Murdoch. My grandma lives on that road, okay? And I can remember my cousin lives on that road, or he, or he did, and his, his parents live on the road, which I guess are my cousins too. I, I don't understand cousin math. It's weird, isn't it? I don't get it. Um, anyways, the most impressive thing that I ever did on a bike is I was riding, and my brother, my brother Paul was riding his bike directly in front of me, okay? We were a team, people, riding our bikes to our granny's house. I don't know what we were going to get. I have no clue. But we were going to Granny's house. And my cousin Jesse came out of his house and was like, hey, you know, like a cousin does. Huh? Hey, guys, come play with me. And uh, my brother thought that he should stop so that we could go talk to Jesse. I didn't have that same thought. He and I were not in sync, Okay. And so I was going, hi, Jesse. And I don't know how this happened, but my tire of my bike lined directly up with his back tire of his bike. And when that tire hit that tire, I flew over his bike, literally over his bike and landed on Xado Murdoch Road. And Jesse was like, what? And he was like, you totally flipped over him. It was a flip in the air. And that was the, that was the coolest thing I've ever done on a bike. So I worked a bike story in there. I found one. Uh, um, that, was, that was a big derail. Here, here, here's the thing. You have talents and abilities that God is desiring to use in some way. We must stop. This is, this is, this is one of the biggest, in my opinion, biggest failures of the modern church is that we have tried to squeeze the concept of ministry into positions within the church. Are you hearing me? We have tried to squeeze the concept of ministry into positions, into titles, into authority. We have modeled the church in, in, in really just a horrible way. Because what we've done, and, and I listen, I, I heard someone say this to me the other day. They go to a larger church, and they were just saying there was just really no place for me. And I'm just going to tell you right now, there is no way that's true. Every single pastor I have ever met in my entire life has told me that they do not have enough laborers. Every single one. Big no matter how big it was. I, listen, there is a church that I talked to. They have like four legit pastors, multiple campuses, and all of them, same thing. We just, we, you know, people will be like, hey, how do you get people to um, serve? 
And they're like, we have no clue because we don't have enough people. Wow. And so the thought that I have is we have tried to squeeze people into positions and into placements. I know as young ministers, young ministers always look at it like this. I have to become a youth pastor. That's like, that's like your first gig, right? <laughs> You're like, maybe you become a youth leader. I got to be a youth leader. I got to serve under, uh, under a youth pastor. And then maybe eventually the kids drive him nuts or her nuts. And so then I become the youth pastor until eventually I can maybe become an associate pastor. And then maybe from there I can actually become a real pastor. <laughs> that's like, that's literally, it's, it's a common thing in the church. Um, unless you're just crazy and you just decide, I'm just going to start my own church. Um, <laughs> yes, that's one way to do it. But what we've done is we've tried to squeeze people in a box. Literally, in, in, I can tell you this, because when Beth and I went through um, um, ministry training, it was like, wh- where are you serving? Well, I'm, I'm going to be a children's pastor. I'm going to be a worship pastor. I'm going to be a youth pastor. I'm going to be a, a church pastor, whatever. <laughs> a lead pastor, they, they call them lead pastors. And there's so many people that are like, I don't fit in any of those boxes. And so what happens is you've got this huge group within the body of Christ that is completely immobilized. And they look like, if you guys, have you guys ever seen the movie Up? Or no, I'm sorry, that's a good movie, but that's not the movie. It's called, <laughs> I'm getting my, I want it to be a bike movie now, but I can't do that. I don't know any movies about bikes. Um, Wally. The movie Wally. And if you know, if you understand the concept of the movie Wally, it's that the earth has been completely destroyed and overrun, and that all people are literally just floating around as big tubs of lard. So it's, it's just the way they portray it, in front of a screen the whole time. And I'm I'm sorry to say this, this is a very real picture of the church. It's immobile. It is literally stuck, glued, waiting for something else, right? Waiting for someone else to come feed you, waiting for someone else to wipe you and to do all your things. I'm sorry, that was a little whatever, but I'm just saying it. That's that's the way the church has gotten for too long, guys. And like Bethany and I, there's a reason why we don't call ourselves lead pastors. We call ourselves servantship pastors, because that allows us to align with what we're supposed to be, servants. We don't have a leadership team in the church. We have a servantship team. They understand that their job is to serve however it may look. But here's the deal. You are gifted to be a servant as well. All of us are. And what God has impressed on me more than anything this last week is that I have to learn myself. I'm a doer. I've told you guys this a hundred times. I am a doer. I love to do. I've got 1,900 projects started at my house right now. Beth just came up with three more while she was sitting there. I can't, I can't win. I can't, I can't outpace it right now, guys. <laughs> All the fellows said amen. That's right. <laughs> But if you are gifted to work on cars, then serve by working on cars. If you are gifted 
to encourage someone, then encourage someone. If you are gifted to do carpentry, then do carpentry. If you are gifted to clean, then clean. If you, however your gifting looks, listen, it doesn't, listen, we are now looking for a cleaning pastor um, at the church. Um, if any of you feel called to that, um, I would love to meet with you after service. Like this is, this is how the church has looked for so long. And what we've done is we've forsaken all of the gifts that are actually there because they don't fit into the church box of giftings. That's wrong. And I'm telling you, if we are going to be this church that reaches lost people, I need you to tap into every single talent and gift that you have to reach them, period. No one is exempt from this. And I love this. This is one of my favorite passages of all times. Justin just read it the other night. Proverbs 18.16 says this, uh, and I didn't give it to her, (laughs) so you're just gonna have to trust me on this one. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before the great. Hello. A man's gift makes room for him him. I can tell you, I'm telling you this, in my own life, the giftings that God has placed in me has been to open doors. I Listen, I do a Bible study every Friday with leaders in the logistics world, okay? Every, every single Friday, we get on, and these are, these are, some of these are vice presidents of companies, okay? Big, fancy people, right? That we have the opportunity to minister and connect and talk, right? This, this is your gift is your gift is designed to make room for you. But if you are not leaning into your giftings, hello, if you are not leaning into the giftings and the things that God has placed in you, there is a problem. We are supposed to serve one another to be good stewards of God's grace. And as I said earlier, the body of Christ hasn't been good stewards, probably most importantly, in, in our talents, in our giftings, in our abilities. And I'll say this, this is, this is a problem from church to church. When another church is in need and they need help, right? They don't want to talk to the other church because if, if so-and-so came and did this over here, that, th- these people might really like them. And then, then they'd go over that church and then that church would have more people than our church. And then we'd be, it would not be good. So we just don't talk to them. That's exactly the way God designed the church. Like, we, we, we have completely missed this. And I, and I want to read this for you. Matthew 25, and I'm going to get ready to close. Matthew 25, we're going to read verses 14 through 30. And I know this is a lot of verses, but I'm just going to read through it because you guys know this. This is the parable of the talents. You've heard it before, but I'm reminding you of it because God wants you to hear it. It says in verse 14, for it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. He shoved the talent in the dirt. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with him. And he who had received the five talents came forward and bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you've delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here. I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, master, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. Hello. I was afraid. Too many of us have been afraid of using our talents for the kingdom of God. Because you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to sound like. You don't know what it's going to feel like. And all of a sudden, you've retreated out of fear. And there are people that are going to die and go to hell because you did not engage your talents. Hello. We got to get to that point that we're understanding the severity of our decisions because of our fear. Hello. He says, so I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. That feels good, doesn't it? (laughs) Slothful is not a word that I would like to have attributed to my life. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For to everyone who has who has will sorry, for to everyone who has will more be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Some of you are hearing this and you know that your talents have been buried. They've been removed. They've been disengaged from the body of Christ for far too long. There are no more room for excuses. Hello. There are no more room for excuses. People are dying. We do not want to see, and I know, I know I am harping on the fact that we have to get out and I am going to continue doing this, church, because we have to understand that your gifts are meant to help you reach people. And they, listen, the church for too long has belittled your gifts because they didn't fit into the package of the church. And that's not true. That is not true. It is not what the word of God declares over you. Your giftings, your callings, it is time to awaken them. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we get ready to close. It is time to stir up some dreams, to stir up some visions that you once held. Some things that you had desired in your heart, some things that God had placed in your heart that you for some reason found yourself in the church deciding that you weren't good enough, that you weren't bold enough, that you weren't ready enough, whatever the story is, guys, I I, I don't care what it is anymore because I'm telling you this right now, the vision that God has poured into us as a church is not going to be possible by Bethany and I running as hard as we can possibly run on our own. It doesn't work. It does not work. You will find yourself with an empty building 
and no pastor. Listen, each of you, every single one of you, has gifts. I don't know what all of them are, okay? But you know what you're gifted at. You know the things, and listen, here's what I want. I want you to think of a list of what your giftings are. I want you to be praying about this. I want you to do this all week long. in, In my world, I would love for you to take every single day, the beginning of the day, the end of the day, the middle of the day, I don't care when you do it. Take a moment in your day to think about what gifts do I have? And you just keep adding to that list. I want you to do this because some of you don't think you're worthy enough to do anything for the kingdom of God because you've allowed someone to pour that into you, to think that you're nothing but someone to come warm up you and just be here, be present. And that's not true. So I want you to start writing out what your giftings are what they look like. I don't need to do a spiritual gifts assessment with you. Listen, I know a lot of pastors do that and they'll hand it out and they'll make you fill out these check boxes and we can look back and we can count them up and say, you're gifted at this and this is what you need to do. I'm not saying that's a wrong thing to do, but let me just be perfectly honest with you. You know what you're good at, right? Most people know what they're good at. And if you say you're not good at anything, you're wrong. <laughs> Try again. That's what I'll tell you. But I want you to start putting a list together of what your giftings are because here's what's going to happen. We are about to be mobilized in a way that I'm going to say, how do your giftings line up with any of this? You might say, well, Tom, I can do this or I can do that or I can help with this or I can help with that, whatever it is, because what we're about to do is going to be very mobile to reach people where they are. We wanted to start today, but we, they were calling for thunderstorms all afternoon and we didn't get to. So we're planning for next week. That's literally what we're planning. We know that we're going to do this, okay? Okay.